fresh and Welcome back to another episode of Fresh and Buds. I'm your host, Tommy Fresh, and you are all of my buds, and I hope all of you are as excited for Dust Till Dawn as I am. I am super stoked. I'm excited to actually spoil a card for this set. It's going to be awesome. July 2nd, Sunday, right after, not right after this show comes out, but a few days after this show comes out, or maybe you're listening to it now, and then it's spoiling later today or something. You know, that's the beauty of podcast you can listen to them whenever but we have a great show for you this week with yuki lee bender and uh we are gonna have a great chat uh she's awesome and uh, just honestly just such a great player and just really insightful so really excited to uh start chatting with her and uh, yeah having a great show we're gonna talk a little bit about dust till dawn we're gonna get to know her and um yeah it's gonna be awesome but before we get to all that i do want to shout out to those who bring it, this show to all of your ears, it is the Patreon. It helps keep the mics hot, the lights on. Uh, it is in the show notes. It's a great place uh, to help support the show. Uh, it, and all of it is uh, very appreciated. And on top of that, check out the Buds Discord. It's a great place to be, great place to hang out. And YouTube, that is where the spoiler is going to be coming out. I'll post it on Twitter after. But uh, yeah, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, give us the old like, comment, subscribe. But if you're listening on Spotify or whatever, you know, Go check it out, throw a subscribe, and then you can come back and watch, uh, you know, other videos as well as the spoiler video. And more importantly, the Bud Rush Bellow, which is a live podcast that I do with Mr. Viz, a.k.a. Gary, on Wednesdays at 930 Eastern. It is a uh, a, a real blast with Gary. Um, you know, he is just, well, he just loves viscerai and that is okay. And we accept him for that. And uh, it is, is, a, is a good time. <clears throat> Uh, and yeah, so before we get to the show, I do want to shout out to Greg, our producer, Greg, you're awesome. I love you. You're the best and stick around for the end of the show. When we, uh, hear from our friend, Derek Oswald, AKA charmer. And, uh, he has a lot to say this week. So without further ado, here is Yuki. All right. We are here with Yuki Lee Bender, a wonderful player, an awesome player, a player that I look at and I am super excited about watching play. I'm happy to have her on to talk about playing and then basically talk about everything Flesh and Blood, including Dust Till Dawn, which we're going to get to. And we're very excited about it. We are just talking about it before we started recording. Set looks awesome. But before we get to all that, first of all, how are you doing, Yuki? I'm doing great. Um, thanks so much for having me on. It means a lot to be invited onto the cast. Um, looking forward to chatting with you. There's a lot of, you know, fun things to talk about. And often that kind of spoiler season and new new set feel is sort of the most exciting time to be playing card games. So, um, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, school year is wrapping up for me. We were talking about how I'm a high school teacher. Um, so the year is just about done, finished report cards about 20 minutes before recording so that feels good and uh yeah looking forward to the summer new new set really can't complain yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's uh probably really exciting i mean i i know personally i miss having summers off and and uh you know obviously for a teacher it's a little bit different than a student but you know uh it, it is exciting because we do have an, a new set coming out in like two weeks, three weeks. I think the day after this podcast comes out is when the spoiler season starts officially, although we got some early ones, which we'll talk about. But before we get to all that, 
I want to get to know Yuki, you know, you know, get to know you and, uh, you know, have a little chat. So first of all, how long have you been playing TCGs and, and when did it all begin? Yeah, I always have a kind of convoluted answer here. I started learning Magic the Gathering when I was very little, maybe like grade one, kindergarten even. Maybe not kindergarten, probably grade one. Um, I remember playing with one of my friends in elementary school. And I only was really able to do that because my mom taught me how to play. So we actually kind of knew the rules. We were playing Magic the Gathering. Um, And I played for a long time as a kid, just with family or in the schoolyard and that kind of a thing, which was always really fun. Um, And then I kind of took a long break from TCGs, picked up Hearthstone when it came out, got into Magic again, sort of 2018, and dabbled in like organized play, competitive events and all of that. And I was sort of just getting my feet wet and then COVID happened. And then I kind of transitioned over to Flesh and Blood and never looked back. I I love it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it is an awesome game. Now, that's that's pretty cool. to hear that that your mom was the one who who was teaching you uh, to play Magic the Gathering. Now, uh, was was your mom a a big gamer at the time, or or was this just something? Oh, this seems cool. Let's uh, let's do this with with my child. Yeah, no, it was more like um, I guess my babysitter's son was older, and he was into Magic, and he showed me the cards, and I th- I just thought the art looked really cool. Like I I didn't really know much about it. I was like, oh, these are so neat. Um, I really liked reading like fantasy novels and stuff. I guess that'd be a little bit later, but but I did enjoy that kind of like fantasy setting. Um, and I think I just took them home and I was like, I, I want to play this. Here's the rule book. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and she was she was great. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very cool. You know, that's like it's pretty actually like heartwarming to hear that. You know, it's like it's such a, a it's not common, right? You know, we, we see awesome uh, examples of it now, like uh, with with like uh, Bro- Brody and, and, and his mom. Um, you know, I know that you know, everybody, the, the joke always is Brody's number one testing partner is his mom, uh, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And uh, but that, that's like really cool to see. That's where the journey began uh, for you. Now, when you were playing like younger, I know you mentioned that you got into the competitive scene with Magic. You know, when when you got back in uh, into it in 2018, did you know that you wanted or even just had the knack for competitive play at the time? Um, certainly not with TCGs. I think I think what kind of awakened the competitive spark for me was just at our family gatherings. I was always the youngest cousin and. All of my cousins really liked video games and would get very competitive. And at some point I was like, ah, I'm tired of being the youngest. I want to win too. And I remember uh, playing some like different Nintendo games like Smash Brothers and Diddy Kong Racing and trying to get really into that. And I, I wanted to beat them the next time that we went to for uh, Christmas dinner or, or whatever the holiday was. And um, so, yeah, that kind of like was how I first got into more competitive gaming. Um, I played a lot of strategy games like Warcraft, Starcraft, um, but yeah, mostly video games until I kind of revisited card games with Hearthstone and Magic. So there was sort of this like very long hiatus of maybe 10 or so years where I just really didn't engage with card games at all. Um, and then I sort of decided to revisit it because I saw Hearthstone. And I was like, oh, I remember playing Magic. That was fun. Maybe I can do this. 
Yeah, well, you know, that's interesting that uh, you, you knew Magic, you saw Hearthstone. Uh, was there a reason you didn't look into, you know, like the on? I, I don't remember when Hearthstone really came out. I guess like Magic Online was the popular client at the time, not Arena. But was there was there even an inkling that you might look at the online clients for Magic at the time? Or it was just Hearthstone, let's try this? Yeah, I think just Hearthstone being free-to-play was a big deal. Um Magic Online at the time, or even now, is very much like a traditional TCG um, economy where there's packs. And, and yes, you can play events and win prizing, and the, the good players do make some money playing Magic the Gathering online. Not, not a ton, but a little bit. Um, but I think that that initial like, buy-in and startup cost was pretty intimidating, and just having a way to play it that was just like, oh, I can just download this and play this for free, and if I don't like it, then I can shelve it. That was, that was really appealing. I think that the, um, you know, I was still a student at the time, so I think the idea of buying into a card game, especially when I hadn't been playing so long, and especially like a digital card game where I'm not even keeping real cards was like a little bit out there for me. It wasn't really something I would consider. It was just like, I don't know. I'm really into the video games. I can do that. And it was sort of adjacent to that. It was more closely connected. So I can definitely empathize with that. You know, I can even say as an adult who has a job that these card games get very expensive and and tough to maintain, but you did make the switch. Uh, Like you said, in like the 2018, uh, time period. Was there any reason? To, did you see something like I? You know, now it's time to pick up Magic again, or physical card games again, um, in general. Yeah, I think it really was Arena and getting to do that. And I think what got me into Magic was I remember watching some coverage and seeing people draft. And I didn't, even though I had played Magic when I was little, like I didn't, I didn't know that drafting existed. And I was like, oh, that's such a cool way to play the game. I liked. I forget what it's called in Hearthstone now. Is it called arena mode or something? So. Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of like a draft mode. It's it's not very flushed out, but but it's sort of like a draft mode. And I really enjoyed that. Um, so I was like, oh, I just want to draft Magic the Gathering. And that will be kind of an easy way to just like go to the game store, but not have to spend too much if I'm just drafting. So I did that for quite a while. And then, I don't know, at some point I got hooked. <laughs> yeah. I started dabbling and constructed. And yeah, and now, now I own almost every card in the game for fab so yeah Yeah, it's funny how what a slippery slope it is right (laughs) it it really is i mean and uh, you know the nice thing about flesh and blood is you know the non-rotating aspect of it is is very nice and obviously you know things hit ll but we're gonna get the living legend format yada 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 uh so you, you mentioned COVID happened and then flesh and blood came into the picture. Obviously I think that was the story for a lot of folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Was, was there a catalyst that made you look at flesh and blood initially? Yeah, I, I still remember. I think the thing that really got me, I had heard about the game, but the thing that really kind of caught me was um, there was some VODs on Channel Fireball of, I think it was Hayden Dale and Luis Scott Vargas, a professional Magic player, Hall of Famer, um, playing Flesh and Blood. And I was pretty big. I'm a fan of LSV. I like I like his content. He's very... I don't know. I, I enjoy what, what he does in the space. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll watch this. It seems kind of interesting. And as soon as I started watching it, I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch some more. And then maybe I'll try this out. And initially, that looked like um, playing on tabletop simulator because you 
couldn't really buy cards, at least where I lived. Like, I'm sure that I could have tried to import from New Zealand or something, but that was like a little bit ambitious for me. I was like, oh, I'll just try it out on tabletop with a friend. And we did that for quite a few months, I want to say. Like, it might have been like Arcane Rising period, even. Like, it was pretty early on. And we were mostly just playing pre cons, maybe borrowing lists from online. Like, we were just. It was kind of like play every hero two or three times sort of thing and just get a feel for everything. We weren't really serious. It was just having fun, exploring the game, that sort of a thing. And it was kind of the perfect thing to do with a good friend uh, during COVID when we couldn't be face-to-face, but we could still hang out in another way. Yeah. And so so obviously the the bug caught, right? You know, Um you know, I guess COVID, obviously, yeah. well, hopefully not COVID, <laughs> but the flesh and blood bug caught, you know, while you were playing with your friend. Um, now, it is interesting you brought up LSV. And even when you were just talking about drafting, uh, I was a huge uh, limited resources fan uh, while I was still yeah. playing a lot of magic, you know, Marshall and LSV. You know, that was just like that was one of the one one of the few podcasts I listened to every week. Right. And I, I even remember actually asking a question on the show uh, when I heard about Flesh and Blood and like LSV had been talking about it on, on like Twitter or whatever. I was like, is there drafting in Flesh and Blood? And I, I believe you said yes. Well, which I mean, it was true. And what uh, is, is the fact that Flesh and Blood has drafting something that really has kind of solidified you in the game? Yeah, I think so. Um... I've kind of always considered myself more of a limited player. I sort of mentioned like getting into Magic again strictly for limited. And I think I was actually like a pretty decent limited player. I cashed some GPs kind of thing. Um, but Constructed was really sort of like I had started to dabble and it was like kind of fun, but it didn't totally click for me either. I found the games like very swingy and especially trying to pick up modern like. It just feels like uh, like often the the sideboard cards are just so brutal in that game <laughs> where it's just like, oh, cool, my deck doesn't work anymore. Great, <laughs> like that's 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 sweet. So <laughs> there's a lot of those kinds of experiences which I didn't didn't really love, and I think that since picking up Flesh and Blood, I've grown to like Constructed a lot more. I like how close the games are and how much interaction there is, but I I definitely still sort of do I still consider myself a limited player first and foremost? <laughs> it's, it's close. Uh, they're both very close to my heart now. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a huge selling point for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure you would consider yourself a limited player. And LSS, if you're listening, if there were more limited events out there, uh, <laughs> you know, we would we would like uh, us limited junkies would like some more. Uh, now, uh, I, I do want to say that I. You know, I've known you initially as a constructed player, you know, your run at uh, Canadian Nats both years at this point. Um, and uh, just your style of play and your kind of discipline, right? I always felt like when I watched you play, it's very disciplined. You know, you are in the zone, right? You know, I, I've, I've even made the joke. Yuki Lee Bender is the Terminator. You, you know, you like if if <laughs> it could you could you feel like you're in trouble. I think even if the your opponent has the win, 
uh, they probably do not feel like they do until they actually get your life total down to zero. And uh, I wanted to ask, does, does that kind of mentality, that kind of discipline come easy to you? Um, I think so, for the most part. I, I think a lot of it, for me, kind of comes down, like, comes down to, like, I have a background in sports growing up. I played, um, I played baseball, and I, I loved pitching. Um, and pitching is, like, very much, there's, like, a mental game. You need to stay on top of everything. And if you kind of zone out for a minute, someone will steal a base on you or... You know, like it doesn't take much to be the, the difference between a pitch that is in the strike zone or not is is very, very small. And so just like all the little things really matter. And it is such a mental game as well as like a physical sport. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that a lot of that has kind of transferred really nicely for me where I'm sort of able to really just kind of focus on taking things one step at a time and being like, here's where I'm at now. Maybe I've made some mistakes and gotten myself into a bad spot, but I know that, you know, all I can do is make the most of the current situation and try to work my way out of that. And I think I, I see a big similarity there in the mindset between baseball, especially pitching and, and this, because sometimes you are like very much in the hole where it's like, oh man, um, <laughs> I won't get to too much into baseball, but <clears throat> you, you can have like all the bases loaded because you've gotten people on base and it's like, oh, if something happens, they could score <laughs> a bunch of runs, but they haven't yet. And being able to keep your cool on that spot is important and definitely a skill to, to learn. And also, you know, you could give up some runs and you, you have to snap right back, right? You got to be ready yeah. to just get those final outs. You got to get out of that inning sometimes. So, um, yeah. you know, you've unlocked a new fear for me, uh, not only facing you in gym, but also batting against you, which is, <laughs> you know, when, when the inevitable flesh and blood baseball league, uh, oh, <laughs> becomes <no>. something, uh, <laughs> uh, do you think there's anything that, that folks can do to kind of practice that mentality? Yeah, I think you can practice it all the time, actually, when you're playing your games. Um, the biggest things for me is just, or the biggest things that help me is trying to remind myself to just take things one step at a time. Like I'm often thinking like turn by turn or even play by play of I'm just going to be very, very systematic, make sure I don't miss anything really obvious. Like even if I'm really excited, like especially if I'm getting excited, I'm like, oh, I think I've got the win here. I'll just be like, okay, let's just you know, double check our math here, make sure everything's right, really think about how we're going to do this and just um, kind of focus on the the process rather than rather than the result. Um, for me, I'm pretty happy. I mean, of course, like everybody loves to do well at a tournament, but for me, I'm really trying to just be happy with how I played and feel like I, you know, did the most that I could because there, there's games that you're not going to win, um, you know. Briar runs you over and it's just, okay, <laughs> happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I can, yeah. I can empathize with that or I can relate to that. Unfortunately, um, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome that you kind of have that skill. And, and, and you know, I, th I, I think it also leads, you know, I would imagine it leads to less negative experiences with the person that you're playing with, you know, because, because if, if, if you have that kind of mentality, I have to assume that if, if those losses that, like you said, inevitably happen, uh, the salt isn't going to come out. Right. And, and like really make, uh, your opponent feel bad for winning. They, you know, it, 
nobody likes to lose, but you don't want to make your opponent feel bad for uh, for winning. You know, they, they earned it usually. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now I want to talk like a little bit about Canadian Nets. So you know, this is this is obviously almost this is basically two years away from it now, yeah. one and a half years somewhat. But you know, you had this awesome run with with Lexi at Canadian Nets, and at the time, you know. The the talk of the town was Briar. The talk of the town was a little bit of Oldham at the time, but more Briar. Uh, what made you choose Lexi um, as as like a hero for that? Was that was it a hero that you kind of connected with and felt you really um, really thought you could do well with, or or, or was you just thought it was the great medical? Um. So yeah, my favorite hero when I first started playing Flesh and Blood was Azalea. She was the one that I played the most. So I did like Ranger and I was very excited for Lexi when she came out. And I had been playing her a ton. Um, at the time, mostly Blitz. I feel like all of our armories were pretty much Blitz. There wasn't that much CC going on, actually. Um, Blitz and Draft. And I had been working on this ice lexi list and blitz and i tried testing into the lightning briar list i thought it would be good i had played it um in blitz against briar against some locals and i knew the matchup was pretty it seemed pretty favorable and when i played it i don't i don't think i lost a game in testing or i might have i might have lost one game after a very long time like it might have been like 20 games and i lost one sort of thing um and I wasn't super confident in my entire matchup spread, but I figured that um, off the back of UK and US Nats, just seeing how popular and how successful that deck was, that um, taking a meta call like that was a pretty good idea. And I also knew that my opponents wouldn't really be experienced against the deck either. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would probably at least know what I'm doing better than they know what I'm doing, and, and hopefully that would be good enough. Um, so that's sort of why I ended up picking up Lexi's. It just felt like I was sort of in the right place at the right time, and I was largely able to take take that list that I have been working on and refining in Blitz and take it right into CEC. So I pretty much built the core from that and then just brought in sideboard cards to shore up different matchups and customize the deck a little bit. But definitely a lot of the ideas that I had in that deck were ones that I had been working on for a while. It wasn't just like, there, there was a certain amount of luck in it. Um, like I had, yeah, I had been building the deck for about a month and I had, you know, like my the Frost Fangs that were in there were a card that I had been playing around with for a little bit. And so, so in a lot of ways, the deck was sort of more polished than um, I think a lot of other people who had turned to Lexi maybe um i'm just guessing but i noticed like there were some people trying it and kind of getting into top eight but not quite winning events mm-hmm. and the decks looked sort of like early and a little bit not super refined to me and i think i was just sort of fortunate to have been working on it and then all of a sudden it's like oh the deck that i have that i wasn't really considering is suddenly good enough so that's pretty exciting pretty cool like and also probably like to be honest like that's LSS probably loves to hear that it was a blitz deck that you converted into a CC deck, right? That's like, I think what they want folks to do, right? You know, just, Hey, you got this cool blitz deck. There's very quick, easy games, build that into a CC deck. That's the progression. And then also I'm with us. Nats was before Canadian Nats 2021. Um, yeah. From what I remember. One week. 
Yeah, I think it was UK Nats, then one week later US Nats, then one week later Canadian Nats. So that was sort of like all. Yeah, yeah. That was I mean, the progression, I guess. Two weeks before the event, I was like, oh, my Prism deck is garbage. Now. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, a friend of the show, Isaac Jessen, top eight at US Nats with Lexi. Did that give you. Uh, some not even not like I mean obviously you'd already been working on the deck but was that at least a little bit of validation like oh okay so you know uh, the theory is working out in the field obviously the the list was probably different but at least uh, that was the first time we saw Lexi kind of at least break through into um, uh, a top eight yeah it it sort of was it it actually almost made me more worried than anything. Yeah. Um, because I was like, oh, okay, UK Nats, nobody's on Lexi. I just need next week for it to not really show up. And then it will be like, because I think if you have a deck that beats the meta that people aren't able to prepare for or haven't prepared for, you have a huge advantage. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about the going into the event. And when I saw Isaac top eight and then have a feature match, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is not great. I didn't really want this. But then... I felt so bad for him when he bricked, but I was also like partially like, oh, okay, maybe people will dismiss the deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like yeah. you know he was he was he was poised to be the hero of that tournament. Like everybody was still talking about Lightning Briar, but you know what? Yeah. To be honest, like a week is is uh, not only uh, a really short turnaround to try to uh, get all the cards for the deck. It, Lexi is a complicated deck to play, mm -hmm. so you know you, you would not only have to like switch decks and then learn how to play that deck so you know it is what it is so uh but anyway it's it's awesome and then you, you know you you've kind of became uh somewhat of a face for for lexi uh, uh out there and 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 that is uh, is to, to show with your spoiler card um uh that call down the lightning uh, yeah. yeah which was like so cool such a like i mean that art is just insane um yeah it's beautiful um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, those cards, but I just wanted to shout out to that. That was very cool. And, and if you haven't looked at the card, uh, go go look at it now, folks. It, it's it's really cool and um, it's just really neat. And embodiment of lightning on for for Lexi was it was, uh, was new. So yeah. um, <laughs> now uh, you are participating in uh, the uh, Rainbow Pitch League. Which is uh, pitch perfect, and 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 uh, the rainbow foils they, they combine forces to do this really awesome league for for women and gender minorities. Uh, you know, here at Fresh and Buds, we we donated some some play mats, some custom play mats for the the tournament, and uh, it, you know, you, you're the first person we've had on since it started that that is involved with it. Uh, how is it going? Do it, you know, what are your thoughts on this? This is I think it's a great initiative. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Um, I remember talking. I sort of knew that it was something that they were working on. I think I I, I was on the what is it Pitch Perfect podcast with uh, Elaine and Melody. I think for one of their early episodes, and I sort of planted the. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I was the inspiration, but I sort of mentioned that I knew there was something similar in Magic, and I'd love to see that in um, in Flesh and Blood. And so I sort of like had the inkling that they were working on it. And uh, it's really cool to see it all come to fruition. They put in a ton of hard work and it's really positive. I think there's so many people that are just so excited to get to play an event with others like them and um, just feel comfortable in that space. It's huge. Um, 
And I know that sometimes for some people who maybe aren't in those shoes, that can be like a bit confusing. Or sometimes people will say like, oh, why, like, why do we need this? And it's just, you know, if you feel comfortable at events, that is fantastic. But unfortunately, that's not everybody's experience. A lot of people in both communities, the LGBTQ community, as well as a lot of women in gaming, um, aren't always super welcome, have sometimes had negative experiences in Flesh and Blood or maybe in another card game. Um, and you don't really know where they're coming from. And if this is a space that lets them feel confident and meet other people like them, that that's huge. And And for me, it's like, yeah, I don't feel uncomfortable playing at events. I'm pretty at home, but also I can count the number of times I've sat across from another woman playing Flesh and Blood on like one hand. It's like it's like twice. It's the same player. Uh, oh no no sorry, that's not entirely accurate. It's less than five times for sure, and like maybe like two or three players total. But you know, mm-hmm. you consider all the events, and that's even including armories. Like it's really it's really not a lot, and just having that opportunity to meet people and network has just been so exciting and so fun. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and you know, I've I've always said that the goal is always to have more people playing this game that we all love, right? Whether whether it's something like this or, or anything else, and I think any kind of initiative is very positive uh, to do that. And you know, you know, I'm very happy to see it doing so well, and folks being so happy about it and, and excited about it. And to be honest, I haven't really seen any negative reactions. I mean, sure, I don't look a lot, but I, I haven't seen any. And um, it, I think it's really cool. And I'm, I'm glad that you know, you're enjoying it. And I'm, I'm sure everybody else in, in the league is enjoying it as well. And I hope they continue to do it. I have, ima- I have to imagine that they're going to try to continue to do it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very positive. And, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to touch on it because I, I talked about it on the live show that I do with uh, my friend Gary. But uh, I hadn't t- talked about on Fresh and Buds yet, so I just you know it, it's awesome. So folks, yeah, let's let's uh, let's build that kind of stuff up. So uh, before we get into the fresh faves, I, you do have a YouTube channel and you do some podcasting here and there on the Bobble. Tell us all about uh, you know w- what you do on on the Bobble on YouTube. Yeah, so on the Bobble is primarily a podcast that I host alongside uh, my local and good friend Jay Ueda. We actually know each other from Magic. We were both like big time drafters in Magic, and that's that's how I know him. Um, and we kind of started on the Bobble as a limited focused podcast because we felt like there really wasn't very much in the way of limited content. Um, There's starting to be a little bit more, like Arsenal Pass is doing their, uh, what is it, limited time only, and we've, we've been seeing more people talk about it, but but still, um, it kind of felt like a little bit lacking and something that we were both passionate about, and so we decided to start up a podcast. Um, our main goal is trying to just get everybody feel more comfortable at draft and, and um, you know, maybe feel a little bit less intimidated by it. I think that, you know, sometimes that first draft can be a lot to take on for new players or where you have a lot of people who are very seasoned, constructed players and they go, you know, they qualify there for the pro tour and they're like, oh, fantastic. Oh, wait, I've drafted like five times. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice to be able to have a resource where we're able to do that. And from what I understand, a lot of areas don't like draft armories are somewhat of a novelty in some areas, and we're very fortunate to live in area in, in an area where you can draft like 
two, three times a week pretty easily. Like there was a long time where almost all of our armories were a draft. It's just like very, very popular here, probably just due to the people in the community, I guess. But yeah. Well, it's it's awesome, and you know, I, I am a big fan of any kind of limited content. So you know, and I'm glad that you're doing it, and you know, I hope that we get to a point where, you know, drafts are more reliable to you know just kind of fire, right? I think um, it's it's like Flesh and Blood is weird in that way, right? Because like people are so hero centric and like really love their heroes and they want to play constructed and 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 play with the the hero that they love, but you know. Limited is really fun, and I, I I hope people that start to realize that because you know coming even from other games that do limited, Flesh of Blood does feel a lot different, right? Like it's it's not the same kind of heuristics that you would have, right? From from other games, so you just gotta sometimes it's a big undertaking. So uh, I like to like to see that that's happening out in the world. So uh, yeah, so Yuki. This is a part of the podcast where I ask you about some of your favorite things in the game. It's called the Fresh Faves, and I hope you answer all of them for me. That would be very cool. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. All right. First, who is your favorite hero? This one's really hard for me. I feel like the answer I'm supposed to give is Lexi, (laughs) and she's definitely a strong contender. Um, But I also really, really like Prism and Icelander. So those three are definitely my favorites. There's things that I like about all of them. I think that I enjoyed the Ice Lexi deck. Like that might be my favorite deck in Flesh and Blood. And the current builds of Lexi are very good, but not quite as not quite as fun to pilot. And I think that, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I mean those are three great choices, you know. I could probably, you know. My answer changes all. Well, actually, my answer doesn't really change all the time. Like Levia, but Riptide definitely was a strong contender. So, uh, what is your favorite weapon? I think my favorite. Well, I think my favorite weapon is Waning Moon. Um, the design of it is just so cool. I like how well it fits with Icelander's kit, and I think it's cool that. Kano also plays it not all the time like it's like this sideboard card for Kano but I I feel like often we either see a weapon only played in one hero or the weapon is so good that everybody plays it like Rosetta Thorn just all the rune blades play Rosetta <laughs> Thorn it's just the best one now <laughs> um so I kind of like Waning Moon of just like this very powerful weapon but like Crucible is still good in Kano, and they play both. And I could see Waning Moon maybe seeing play in the future, but it also doesn't seem like the only way to play Wizard. So yeah, it's just kind of like right in this sweet spot of being very good, but also not the only option, which I think is kind of special. For sure, and you know, I st- I still see uh, Kraken's Aether Vein Icelanders pop up. So you know, it's not the end all be all uh, for for Icelanders. A really cool card and some of the best art. Um, what's your favorite equipment? So I think my favorite equipment overall is New Horizons. I like how much it changes the game. Um, The six arsenal just lets you do so much in terms of setting up and um, just like creating these really powerful combinations of cards. So I really like the play of the second arsenal zone. Um, But I'll give honorable mentions to Spellbound Creepers for being 
there's there's just so many cool things you can do with that card. Um, <laughs> I spent quite a bit of time playing Viscerai with Skeleta, and yeah, the combination of especially Skeleta and Spellbound Creepers is like <laughs> pretty sweet. You can do so much. Yeah, it, it feels sometimes very unfair. <laughs> it it does, but but sometimes those are like the most fun things in card yeah, games too. So. Absolutely, absolutely, and especially in a game like Flesh and Blood where. The broken things don't happen as often as you think, and you know it's it, you know I, spellbound creepers is quite good, quite good. I'll say it. I will say it. Uh, now, what's your favorite uh, run of the mill type card? Uh, the cards that you put in your deck, so your um, an attack action and a non attack action instant card. Yeah, um, probably Arclight Sentinel. Um, okay. Arclight is just. A very interesting card because it kind of takes your whole turn to take your opponent's turn, which doesn't sound great on its face and isn't always great. But there's so many spots where the card is just really powerful, and I know I know a lot of people hate this card, but um, yeah, sometimes just being able to do things like I'm just going to take all of the damage and then play an arc light on my turn, and then I get two turns in a row and that's going to be really sweet and you're not going to like it. Um, so I really enjoy that. And uh, the other card I was thinking of for this one is uh, Channel Lake Frigid. So, so you can see that I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I enjoy these things that sort of deny your opponent from being able to do things as a player. Those those are, you know, I've been drawn to the ice mechanics and, and all of that. And I think there's like a lot of common ground in all the heroes that I really like. And so... Yeah, I don't know. There's something fun about being like, I gotta have all of the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand. And I think that's like the the youngest cousin coming out of you, right? You know, <laughs> you know, it's not, no, the controller's mine now, right? Like, I'm playing, you know, I'm player two. I'm player one and two, actually, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, awesome, awesome. Those are great answers. You know, it's actually a pretty unique uh, blend of answers I don't think we've ever gotten on the show, which is very cool. Now, tomorrow... Or, you know, Friday. Spoiler season starts. Dust till dawn. We've already seen some spoilers. So I do want to talk about uh, the spoiler season. That, the, the, I guess like the pre-spoiler season that we kind of had um, with uh, the Unity cards, uh, which kind of all led to the um, United We Stand card, which definitely hinted at PVE and, and stuff like that. Now, uh, do you want to talk about uh, your card a little bit? You know, I, we mentioned it briefly before, but uh, do you want to talk about uh, the, the Lexi card that you got to spoil? Sure, yeah, we can do that. Um, so I got to spoil Call Down the Light Call Down the Lightning, which is a lightning majestic and it's a Lexi specialization. I believe it's yellow pitch zero cost and a two block. Mm -hmm. And um, it has go again. The unity effect is um, if you block with it and another card, you get an embodiment. And when you play it, whenever one or more cards are added to the combat chain to defend they you you do the the attack deals one damage for, mm -hmm. for the rest of the turn so um some very cool stuff with any of the fuse arrows um like if you have a frazzle with this it will do two damage every time they put blocks in front and it's not it's not per card so if they block with two cards you only get one trigger but if they do a block and then a d react you would get two triggers um is sort of how it works um but yeah, the card's really interesting. It also is potentially interesting in ice too, because um like chilling 
chilling ice vein still works with it. So you can get the discard or pay one trigger if uh, even if they block, and it sort of puts them in this bind of like, do I block? Do I not block? Um, so it's so a very interesting card. I don't know how to evaluate it, to be honest. Um, I think it kind of fits more into the elemental fuse builds than it does into the current uh, fuseless decks that are really popular. And honestly, I kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned before being fond of those fuse Lexi decks. I think they're, you know, they're the the fuseless deck is very very good, but the fuse builds are kind of they feel more flavorful and they feel more like what she's supposed to be doing. Kind of, I don't know. It, well, yeah, I mean, it's it certainly she was designed in a way, and a lot of her cards are kind of built that way. So you know, when I saw this card, well, first thing that stood out to me was the art. You know, the art is insane. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, this is Lexi's. It looks like Lexi's almost dying from a bunch of lightning, but we're going to assume that she yeah. doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it, it does seem pretty sweet. You know, obviously the ice fuse lists are, are, are way more popular, you know, if, if we're even looking at the elemental stuff. And the lightning side of things is is has gone... I mean, I mean, you still see it every once in a while, but it's not as competitively viable. Now, is this something you think would push a lightning build uh, in into more of a, a better spot? Maybe. Um, it's a little bit tricky. I could maybe see it. It's kind of interesting in the Death Dealer snapshot builds where you can fuse snapshot and get an extra instant speed activation of death dealer and draw a bunch of cards that deck's really fun yeah um <laughs> it might fit in there the embodiment of lightning is really really good and they do need more lightning cards to the, the the lightning card pool is just not very good so getting a new meaningful edition is nice it is a little bit niche because if your opponent doesn't block it doesn't actually do anything so mm-hmm. there, you kind of need to, like, I think it's a sideboard card for decks that want to be blocking you out to push through damage. And, and I, I think it does have a role there, but I don't, so I don't know. I, I think it helps Lightning. I don't know if it's enough on its own, though. But um, I would keep an eye on this card because I think that if we ever do get another Lightning set, then... Lightning Lexi could very much be on the table. I, th- I think the deck was actually pretty close before with Ball Lightning, and then just losing that has really, like, really, really hurt that deck. Um, but I don't think it needs much. Like, I think a couple of key Lightning cards could be a big game changer, and this is like a... I don't think it's all the way there, but it's a good start. Yeah, for sure. And the Unity mechanic is 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 pretty sweet. You know, we haven't really seen it in, in, in practice yet, but, you know, kind of taking a turn off to set up a an embodiment or even being able to just block with two cards with uh, two arsenal and then, like, still have two cards in hand, you can still get a lot of value out of that, which is, which is pretty neat. Now, we had a whole slew of other Unity cards, and we won't go into all of them, but they were all these kind of... The, the, I guess the good guys, uh, you know, uh, you know, Shiana, uh, Lexi, Prism. I don't know if we saw a Prism one. I don't remember. But, you know, we saw like all, you know, Bravo. Yeah, I don't think we did. Yeah, yeah, which was kind of interesting. Um, I wonder if they're saving it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it probably has to do with the Figment thing that's going on with Prism that we don't really know a lot about yet. Um, but But it's kind of cool that we kind of saw all of these. But does it worry you? that maybe we won't be seeing a whole lot of support outside 
of like, you know, outside of just the light and shadow heroes, because they kind of were like, Hey, we're doing this like little early thing with these unity cards. We're giving them to these, these, um, these players and creators that, that are kind of known for these, these heroes. But it seems like spoiler season, you know, all the creators got an email. You're in the light, you're in the shadow. Is this going to be the least supporting supplemental set we've ever had? <laughs> like, yeah, it's really interesting. This set feels so unlike the other supplemental sets because of the talent focus. I'm, I could see anything going. Like, I, I could see them. I kind of wonder if we're going to get more heroes besides, like, like I think we know at this point that Levia is getting cards. Bolton's getting cards, and then there's of course Vincent and Prism. Um, I sort of wonder if we're gonna get like another light or shadow hero, or maybe one of each or something. I could see that happening. Um, I would expect that we will see like a little bit of the class cards, but I could see it being less. Um, it's hard to fit new heroes and talent cards and everything else too. But I mean, you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe it will be mostly like light warrior cards, and then other classes will just get like a cycle of untalented cards or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like uh, the best way to approach it. I know there's a ton of cards in the set. I don't remember how many there were, but um, so there's definitely the opportunity there. Now, Prism, you said you were a big fan of Prism. You mentioned Arclight and Sentinel. So you, you, you liked how old Prism played, obviously. Uh, we don't know if the adult version of this new prism is the same as the young prism. Uh, I, I would be hard for me to think otherwise, but like maybe, maybe they're doing something different. Who knows? Do you think they, they push it again, right? Do, do they push the design again to have prism be pretty, pretty strong, especially with the access to all the spectra cards still? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think, I feel like we don't have the full picture with Prism, and I know Fino has kind of hinted at this because he has a Prism spoiler, and he says, everything makes sense now. <laughs> and that's sort of been my feeling even before he said this, is just like, it doesn't, it, like, it doesn't quite add up. If you're like, okay, you have two angels, you pitch two blues, you swing for eight, like maybe you have some on hits. That seems pretty good, but it's like they, they have ward and you're basically saying to your opponent, can you like, is my six block going to stop you? And like, like what deck, what deck can't just sick win yeah. six damage? It's just like, I'm, I'm sort of like, I don't know how this is ever going to happen. So I feel like we're missing a big piece of the puzzle with prism. I don't think it's going to be, I, I think there will be some auras that see play, but it seems like they're really pushing the sort of Herald um, angel, package i guess and maybe figments i I think i assume that they're related to angels but who knows um but it seems like they're kind of pushing in a new direction and those spectra will be there but maybe like a little bit sparingly um i think luminaris is really a big catalyst for those spectra cards um they're they're so expensive and i think spectra kind of gets a bad rap because it did warp the format in a lot of ways and a lot of heroes really struggle to deal with it but i also think that without luminaris the mechanic is like 
really, really different. Yeah. And Prism already had trouble with, especially aggressive decks or decks with multiple action points where you couldn't really set up auras because of all the pressure and just not having the fallback of Luminaris being free, turning everything into free Kodachis if you keep a zero cost card is like, it's it's pretty tough. Like, I, I don't think you can just play Iris Prism and it'll be like, oh, Spectra's crazy, especially not with 32 life. So so I'm not really worried about Spectra. I don't, it seems like they're kind of moving away from that, but she might play, I could see her like sideboarding in Parable for Lexi or something or Arclight and into a matchup where it matters, but yeah. Well, that would be a kind of of a cool way to go with the the class, right? Like, oh, now these R's are just kind of like little silver bullets, or not even yeah. silver bullets, but like little little cyborg cards that you can like kind of bring your package in, almost like Riptide's traps, right? Like, n- not all of them are gonna work yeah. uh, with every deck, but some of them are gonna do great, you know. So that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, we don't really know what's going on in Prism. I think we're going to find out this weekend, but we don't know. But, you know, that brings it down. Do you, like, with the, <laughs> with Fino saying it's, it's, it's all making sense and, and, you know, we all having this kind of idea. Do you think we're going to see a, a Prism that was as big of a piece in the meta puzzle as it was before? Just in a broad prediction sense we don't really know but it's fun to make yeah. predictions geez i don't know <laughs> um it's tough i mean illusionist has been a pretty good class overall it's been really successful uh both dromai and prism have just been very good decks um dromai not always but you know it's it's been pretty solid the last while at least um so i kind of think that prism will see some play people also just really seem to like illusionist it's super popular so there's going to be a lot of people working on the deck which i think always helps Mm -hmm. um being 32 life is like pretty low you're almost kano at that point and i know that she has ward but i think that she's going to be super fragile so and that's part of why I feel like something is missing. I'm like, this hero doesn't seem like a 32 life hero. Like, yeah. keep two blues to after you set up your angels to attack for eight is just like, <laughs> what are we doing here? So, so I don't know. I'm curious. I feel like there's going to be something pretty powerful that she can do, and I'm wondering what exactly that is. <laughs> um, maybe like some zero cost angels could help. Uh, like, probably not too many because then it gets yeah. like Luminaris, but but maybe like one or two. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I will say Riptide hasn't really felt like a 38 life hero but you know i digress i think that was more of a limited balance than it was a constructed yeah. balance but now moving on to the other light hero that you know I, I i was just on um off the rails tcg with pat shaw formerly of the combat chain and we were chatting about this i was like you know bolton and Leviah are kind of like they haven't really been talking about them that much, but we we know they're getting support. So I, I feel like we are about to see them kind of get the most support in, in a way because, you know, yeah. uh, and we saw the bannerets that Bolton has, which kind of are, are a um, expansion on the mechanic of charge. You charge those cards and then the next attack that hits gets a certain bonus or even the next attack that blocks gets a, a bonus, which we don't know how that's going to work yet. Obviously, they're printing something for that. Based on what we've seen with these bannerets, is is are those good enough to make the charge mechanic good? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Um, 
it's sort of weird. Like I've I've seen things to I've seen some people be like, this is what Bolton needs to make charge better because then it's less negative on value. And on one hand, I do agree, but I think that the big issue with these cards is they they don't charge themselves, and yeah. they're not good cards. Like it's they're all these like yellow like. I forget what the stat lines on them. Are they like a yellow zero for three and a yellow one for four or something? It's just like, if you draw a handful of these, like you're, you're not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of makes Bolton into like a bit of an A plus B deck, like kind of like Runeblade. You need your attacks and your non-attacks. You need your charge cards and then your cards that benefit you from charging. And I just don't know that I'm not really sold, unless there's some way to, like, maybe he gets a piece of equipment that lets him, like, I don't know, you can charge any attack, and then that would be pretty interesting. But I think on its own with, like, what we have now, I'm pretty skeptical of these cards being fantastic. I think think that Bolton is going to be sort of, like, running off yellows, and, like, maybe these are some of your, like blue resource cards, so to speak, that you can then charge and get some bonuses out of. And I think that's kind of cool. But I do think that you're pretty capped on how many you want to run just because a hands full of these are so, <laughs> so bad. They really are. But maybe, you know, like you're saying, like the the, the yellow focus Bolton, also we get to live the Toma Divinity Vestige of Soul mm. Bolton dream and then, you know, really eating good. Um, I'm just hoping Raiden's playable, to be honest. I love yeah. Raiden as a card. Uh, we don't know what the Courage token is. Now, uh, United We Stand creates a Courage token. Uh, I, I heard the rumor that was it puts a one plus one counter on a weapon. Also, that makes Ooh. Raiden look awesome, right? Yeah. And uh, so if we kind of see that happen, which United We Stand is also a popper, um, worth noting. You know, you always got to talk about mm-hmm. poppers. If it's mm-hmm. got six, it's a popper. So Yeah, especially with Prism coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it is very, um, very interesting. We don't, you know, I, I, I have this like deep, feeling that Bolton is going to get something great. Those bannerets aren't it, but they might just be part of the puzzle. Now, moving over to the side of the war on the Monarchs that I love is the Shadow. So we saw Vincent. So Vincent's our new Shadow Room Blade. We know exactly, unlike Prism, there's no missing pieces to what Vincent does. So what is your initial take on Vincent? Where where do you think this hero goes build wise or or otherwise? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, you can do great aggro things, but it also seems like you can do great uh, defensive things. Yeah, I'm actually skeptical about this hero too, and I, I think that's mostly like that's mostly from a need to see more cards kind mm. of thing. I think that even though we know her, it seems like we know her core mechanics. I think it kind of depends what she gets. Um. In particular, the banish being mandatory is tough. Like, it's really tough. You kind of run into that situation. Like, Leviah has a bit of this where you get behind and then you're like, well, I either can't turn off my blood debt or you're hitting me for lethal and I just kind of lose. And I think Vincent's going to have this spot where, like, I need kind of two cards to do much of anything and otherwise I'm just banishing stuff. And if you ever don't have a blood debt card, like, that's really bad. You just IP yourself. So I, I think that there's like some pretty real deck building restrictions on Vincent, and it's really going to depend on what we see. Um, I think like one cost. What is it called? Rune Gate. Is that the mechanic? Yeah, Rune Gate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I think one cost rune gate would go a long way because then her rune chant from banishing pays for the card and she can play like a one card hand. Like that would be something I'm wanting to see from her. Um, maybe some way to make rune chants would be really huge. But I do like, I do like kind of wonder if you're going to wind up in this spot where it's like hard to, like you have to keep banishing and like you want to banish these cards, but you have trouble getting enough rune chance to pay for all your expensive rune, rune gate stuff and banishing the, like a lot of the chain guards are like, they're, they're great when you hit them off soul shackle, but if you like banish a ghostly visit and then play it from your banish zone, like it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's definitely, to me, it felt like, I, I think the the hero is very cool, and it probably yeah. is going to have some really interesting builds and a lot of cool things you can do with it. But it also feels like this is a uh, a flinch from chain, right? We saw yeah. how powerful chain was, and I think the same thing with prism here. Um, you know, like these these two heroes were really good. You know, we can't do that again. So yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, I it's still Runeblade, and Runeblades still seem to you know do just fine. Uh, it's yep. cool to see a Runeblade that's not like attack, non-attack, or non-attack, attack, whatever. So, very cool. Now, Leviah, my girl, my 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 queen. We just saw today that we recorded. We saw the first Shadow Brute card. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. It was. It came from February. I'm already blanking on the uh, Diabolical Offering. Um, yeah. uh, it's a blue that blocks six sometimes, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know the the most important thing here. It's it's it w- there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that we haven't seen with this, but in the 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 flavor text on the reveal, Leviah redeemed was mentioned. Do you think that means we get a new Leviah hero card? Oh, I don't. Mm, that's really interesting. I <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. I kind of don't think so, but. Maybe I, I sort of I I wonder if they would tie it more to like a specialization. Um, could even be an equipment specialization the way they did with Vincent's weapon to kind of. I, I think I would like that rather than sure. just being like, no, we're abandoning her. Too bad. Like this is new, better Leviathan. It's like oh, this feels kind of bad. Um, but yeah, I could see them giving her something pretty good. I think that both her and Bolton are like some of the <laughs> lower end heroes for sure mm-hmm. um at least right now and yeah. i think that's gonna hopefully change i'm excited for all the Leviathan bolton players out there getting getting some love but um yeah yeah i i, I kind of think that we'll have the same Leviathan card and they'll just you know find other ways to give her support yeah, I it it does feel so like her story is is very much like she was a she was a slave and then and then it's been manipulated by chain. So like it's story-wise it makes sense that she does have this kind of redemption arc. She's yeah. you know, in my opinion the main character a little bit. So, you know, like let's see something to to really make it make sense. Um I, I will say the the car uh, diabolical offering is good. Uh it needs some support. I wonder yeah. if anybody should Tune into Fresh and Bud's YouTube channel on July second <laughs> to see if anything interesting comes out for Leviah that day. Uh, but um, you know, to, stay tuned, or if you're listening after, go back and watch it. Um, you know, but yeah, but that's exciting. You've got you've got my interest peaked now because like I saw the part about 
like it also blocks for six. Like it attacks for six if mm-hmm. you banish. I'm like, yeah, you can like dread screamer into this, and that's like you know twelve damage off of three cards. Yeah. It seems pretty good, and one of them's a blue. Like that's that's really solid. But I was like, what about the blocking part? Like. There's Ebonfold, like maybe you can get really cute with Art of War or something, mm-hmm. but it's like kind of. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you know a couple of us were talking. Yeah, Ebonfold's like obvious. Art of War is it's, yeah. it makes it block seven, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then you know, for, I guess we basically the card means it says it has Star Star as their attack and defense, mm-hmm. and if you banish a six, uh, they both become six. So. Right. Uh, and then another cool thing you could do is you can reckless swing, discard beasts within, which will then banish, and oh, then and yes. then the uh, um, the diabolical offering will already be on the chain and get the plus, which is very cool. A lot of work, <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah, like like most Leviathan things are. But uh, you, I, currently, it is just a blue graveling growl, yellow. Um, yes. <laughs> so. Is that, that better? You have to work for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it better? I don't know. Uh, but you can still block with it for zero, which is, you know, at least you can fill your graveyard, which is, you know, that's like how bad it is for Levi players. We're like, well, at least yeah. we can block with it for nothing. Um, so, uh, yeah. Very interested to see. Like, Levi does need a lot of support. You know, I know Ethan uh, Van Stan has been, you know, in kind of like leading the charge there. You know, he. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, he's ready, and I, he says his spoiler is quite good too. So I'm 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 pretty excited now. Dust till dawn. Before we go to some listener questions, Yuki, where do you think it's going to land in terms of success for Flesh and Blood? Um, I have pretty high hopes for this set. I mean, I wish, I kind of wish it was draftable, but supplemental is okay too. But I think like. <laughs> As far as supplemental set go, like this, this feels way more exciting than Dynasty or always have trouble Everfast. Everfast, like it just feels there's like a major story plot point going for it that I think is kind of going to draw people in. Like I've been really impressed with some of the storytelling they've done, just in terms of like how much of a step up it is compared to their. Like the very early stuff that we mm-hmm. saw. Um, Prism coming back is huge. I think another Shadow Rune Blade is huge. Like we get to see how Living Legend, we kind of see like the whole picture. Like we've seen the first half of like, okay, the heroes rotate out and the system does kind of work and it's pretty cool. But we haven't seen the like, and then the heroes come back and they're not the same, but they yeah. have some of the same cards. <laughs> um, so I think it's a super exciting set. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it was like sort of, it's sort of interesting. Like Monarch was this very, like it introduced talents and it was this very different set from the way the game had been played. And then we're like going back to the, the monastery Solana conflict. And it's like almost just as exciting again somehow, which is interesting. Yeah. 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 It is very, very exciting. I think this is, you know, I, I imagine it's going to be a three part story, you know, someone's going to come out yeah. victorious and then the other one's <laughs> going to have to come, you know, back and, and win, win everything. But it, it's pretty hype and people are pretty excited. You know, people love these, like the cards from Monarch because it's a lot of people's first sets too. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's uh super, super exciting. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a, 
a big success. You know, Dynasty, we got Assassin out of it. That was cool. And then like the the really cool uh, Marvel weapons, but that aren't really yeah. that great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then you know, Everfest just had some really powerful cards, and then a lot of bad cards. So hopefully, this is the answer for supplemental sets. So if you got time, Yuki, I'd like to ask you a few listener questions. Yeah, sure. First comes from uh, Matt DeMarco, aka Flake. What differentiated the best draft formats like WTR from the worst like UPR? And where does Monarch stand in terms of a draft experience? Yeah, I love this. Um, I think in general, the gameplay in Flesh and Blood Limited is like pretty good. Like, I don't think there's any limited set that has a bad, bad gameplay. Um, I think usually what kind of determines how much people enjoy the set and how much longevity it has is the draft process itself and often sort of how flexible the cards are. Are there multiple ways to draft the same hero? That's like a huge one. Like you can have a, in WTR, you can have like a control katsu or you can have like an aggressive combo based katsu and like something in the middle. And that's really cool. Um, whereas, you know, Phi and uprising was sort of you have a really good fight deck an okay fight deck or a not so good fight deck but they all kind of want the same cards yeah yeah <laughs> um so i think that that flexibility like both in being able to stay open but also being able to build heroes in a variety of ways makes for a great format i think monarch is pretty interesting there's a lot going on in it and i think in a lot of ways i don't know if we were good enough at the game when it came out to like really fully appreciate everything Monarch had to offer. And and it, it's a set that we've drafted quite a bit in Vancouver because we go back and draft old formats all the time at Armories. But um, yeah, there's a lot of cool things you can do. There's a lot of ways to build the heroes. There's like very interesting end games and like setting up these kind of... Like the set's like in some ways not powerful, but then you can just, you know, like do a chain 20 damage turn or you can via the Vanguard somebody and hit them for like 17, <laughs> not counting the Bolton effect. So like there's there's a really sweet stuff you can do in the set, but it's, you kind of have to work for it and set it up, which I think is really exciting. And I'm I'm actually really looking forward to drafting this set for, for Nats. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. I'm a big fan of it as well. Now, uh, Jeff O asks, how do you feel about Icelander heading into an Oldhamless meta? And he also put a little side note that your coaching sessions are amazing and that he highly recommends them. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, I think Icelander is in an interesting spot. Um, I don't know that Oldham leaving necessarily helps her. Uh, Oldham is traditionally a pretty decent matchup for Icelander, but the meta shifting potentially could. Um, I think the biggest thing that she needs is either for... Like right now, I think her problem is Ranger, and especially Lexi, but also Azalea, to be honest. Um, I think she's actually pretty good into almost everything else, but um, and Dash is a problem. But, but like overall, she has some pretty good matchups. It's just that when one of the most popular decks or probably the most popular deck is terrible for you, it's really hard to be successful. So I think she either needs something to check Lexi or make Lexi build in a different way, or she needs some cards that let her have more legs in that matchup because you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of get super outvalued and your disruption's not all that great and it's, it's really hard. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe we'll get something here, uh, you know, in this next set. We don't know. Um, next question comes from Capolo, who asked, if there was a Lexi specialization quiver, what would it do? Ooh. Um, hmm. I want to say that... Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> I could see it tying into Fuse somehow, like somehow making Fuse easier. Like maybe you don't need to reveal for the next Fuse card or, and it gets destroyed and you have to pay for it or something like that. Or maybe, um, or maybe like the next card you reveal like automatically has the correct element kind of thing. So you need a card in hand, but it doesn't have to be the right one. I think that would be kind of interesting, but I don't know. I'm not a card designer. <laughs> Does a far better job than I do. Would it? Would you? Let's say you paid a blue. You cracked it. Search your deck for a oh, ice or cool. lightning card. Put it into hand. Go yeah, again or something like that. That's would really it? interesting. And that, that might be a little bit scary. Yeah, um, yeah. But maybe, maybe something in that vein. Like maybe if they restricted it to like an ice or a lightning blue, so that you're yeah kind of uh, like. Creating a blue for a blue, but you can't go get like channel like oh, but then you can get channel like frigid. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, actually, scrap <laughs> that, scrap that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Tutoring is pretty powerful. I think. I mean, it would be very cool, and I would enjoy playing with it. <laughs> but, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, next question comes from Super Legend, who asked. Uh, uh, do you think that Lexi is stronger leaning into the elements or the going fuseless? We kind of touched on this, and he also put a side note that he loves playing Ice Storm with Lexi. Yeah, hybrid Lexi is so fun. Um, I love when I draft Lexi, I usually play her as like a hybrid deck, and it works really well. But I think in Constructed, you do kind of get rewarded for being more consistent. And right now, I think that does mean the fuseless deck. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of talked about it earlier. I yeah. could see that shifting <laughs> as the meta changes, as there's new ice or lightning cards. So so I don't think it's like Lexi's going to be fuseless forever. I just think right now, given the cards in the meta game, that's probably the most consistent build. And it's, and it's really about that. Like the ice deck's really good. It's just not as consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Smith will ask, if you could design a new Ranger Hero from the ground up, what are some features you'd like the hero to have? And I'm assuming like features we haven't seen yet in a, on a Ranger. Yeah. Um, so I really like Honing Hood and what it can do. It's just able to do so many amazing things. Like it's like it, it's an extra load. It's lets you arsenal cards that you don't want to arsenal. It works with stuff like Electrify that has to be in Arsenal. So I always thought it'd be really cool if they had a ranger that could like do a once per turn honing hood style effect, like maybe as an instant. Um, that That's sort of like what I would love to see now. Is that too good? Quite possibly, but yeah. uh, that's sort of like the idea I have in my head for a ranger. So even if it's something like maybe it has to be toned down from that a little bit, but I think some way to manipulate your arsenal would be really fun and really interesting. Or like a, I think ranger with something like crown of seeds would be really interesting. Just the just more ways to control that arsenal space. I think would be what I would want to see in a ranger. Absolutely, Crixus. Yeah. Um, asks uh once lexley eventually lls is there any other hero you could see yourself championing 
in the same way that you have Lexi. Now, I think we kind of uh, covered this, but I'll let you answer anyway. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I feel like I get pegged as a Lexi player because yeah. I had a lot of exposure at Nats and then New Jersey right after. But honestly, I play pretty much everything. I play what I think is best. And right now that is Lexi again. And in the past, that's been Lexi. And I'll always kind of, whenever there's new cards or a new meta, it's the first thing I go to just to see, does this make sense or not? Um, but yeah, I could see myself playing anything, honestly, <laughs> so long as it's fun. Probably... I'll say that probably something more like mid-rangey or controlly is usually more to my taste. I think the super aggressive linear decks are like not not my favorites to pilot, but um but yeah, I could. Uh, I could see myself going maybe Prism, Icelander, maybe maybe even like a Runeblade. Yeah, uh, I'm calling Yuki on Leviah uh at Worlds. Maybe. <laughs> I I do, you know, I, I have to say one of my favorite mechanics in card games is that sort of like recursion graveyard stuff. Like in, in Magic, I always like the black decks that can do all oh, the yeah. stuff with their graveyard. And um, so Leviah's like, she has the potential. Right now, I feel like that's not like really mainly what she's about. She can do like a little bit of it, but I could see if they like lean into that. I could be pretty into it. I think it'd be awesome. And finally, if Farsis asked, as a Canadian, what kind of calling would you like to see in Canada? And I'm assuming he means uh, format here. Yeah. Um, or maybe location. Both, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, like, it's going to be out east. Um, just bigger population there makes more sense. Um, there's also not really like, I don't know if there's anybody that would run a calling over here. I don't know if there is over there either, but it seems more probable than, than where I live. <laughs> um, in terms of format, I'd imagine, I imagine it would be CC, but like, I would really love to see, I would really love to see limited. I just love limited, limited callings would be sweet. I think like the, the event that I'm doesn't have to be even a Canadian calling, although that would be really exciting if it was. The event that I'm really pulling for is I want LSS to do a world premiere again, like they did with Uprising, but do it as Team Sealed. Oh, yes. Um, yes. I think that'd just be like the perfect event. And it'd be so, it'd just be so fun. Like it'd be the best way to experience all the new cards. Oh, yeah. Um, you get to do it with your friends. Oh, God. That just, yeah. that's awesome. Hey, so, LSS, do it. Uh, Yes, you, please. Yuki, this was a blast. I had a, a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for giving us your time and, and, and sitting down chatting with us. It was awesome. And I hope we get to do it again at some point. And I hope to see you at an event uh, 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 soon. And uh, yeah, uh, can you please plug anything you need to plug? And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed chatting with you too. Um, in terms of people trying to find me other places, there's the podcast that we talked about on The Bobble. We have a YouTube channel and we're on most podcasting platforms. I'm also on Twitter at Yuki Lee Bender. And I do some I do some coaching. You can message me for details there. I also do some writing sometimes on the Fab TCG page or also on Red Riot. I haven't written in a while for Red Riot, but um, I actually plan to pick that up over the summer with work coming down. So 
keep your eyes peeled there. And I'll, uh, I usually post on Twitter as well. But yeah, I do sort of combination of writing, tweeting. Cool. All cool. that kind of stuff. Well, all, all of that information will be in the show notes for anybody um, interested. I do implore you to check all of Yuki's stuff out. Uh, you can all continue to find me on Twitter at FreshBudsPod. Um, Discord, the Buds, is a great channel for, for everyone and anyone. Uh, you know, we, we bring on the good vibes. That's where all the listener questions come from. And that's uh, a great way to get involved with the community. Uh, and YouTube. Like I said, big video, July 2nd, uh, you know, maybe Leviathan stuff. Who knows? We don't know. I do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, at 500 subscribers, we're getting very close. I'm doing the full adult Leviathan cosplay. It should be a mess, and I can't wait to do it. So please, everyone, uh, you know, give the old like, comment, subscribe, and, um, and then, yeah, check out the Patreon, too. Uh, and then, uh, finally... Uh, Yuki, I always like to talk a little bit about food at the end of every episode. So, uh, if there's any some like food locally or something that is like one of your favorite meals that you just want to you know throw out there for us, yeah, um, I think that seafood is always a pretty big favorite for me. Like, I love um, like I love prawns. I love. Um, Black cod or sable fish is probably my favorite fish. Um, like shellfish is fantastic too. So pretty much anything seafood, and I'm pretty happy. Um, I love sushi, but I also love, you know, cooked fish as well. So <laughs> so yeah, if it comes from the sea, it's like I don't know why, but it's just very very yummy. And out in Vancouver, I bet you get a lot of great seafood out there. So yeah, yeah, I might be spoiled because we we do live on the coast. So I think that's yeah. definitely a factor. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I can I can uh, I can relate to you there. I love I love seafood, and now I want some. So um, that's been the show, everybody. You know, please have a good week. Thank you, Yuki. Um, uh, we don't it doesn't seem like we have time to get to Charmer, but we'll get to him next week. Uh, thank you all so much.